Welcome to Life from Flat to Fabulous. Your hosts are Sarah Karkner and Sheila Turner. This program is based on practical life-enhancing tools to shift your energy, mixed in with great stories, lots of laughs and wisdom to help you feel more confident and ignite your full potential. Now, here's Sarah and Sheila. Hello, it's Sarah and Sheila here, and we are so excited to talk to you today about courage. Courage is that secret sauce that allows you to act despite your fears, and we are going to discuss that today with our very, very special guest. Wendy is the co-owner of the River Summit Group, a sales and marketing consulting company that she created with her fiance, Keith. They initially launched in Denver, Colorado, and last spring relocated the business to a town outside of Bozeman, fulfilling a lifelong dream to live in Montana. With this relocation, Wendy was able to finally take the leap of faith to transition away from an 18-year full-time career in the medical sales arena to work for herself. Finding the courage to go after her dreams didn't always come easy for Wendy. It is something she developed over time. Once she realized how empowering that process was, there was no looking back. Much of her newfound courage to live life to its fullest stems from her accomplishment of being the 465th woman to ever summit Mount Everest. On May 21st, 2017, at 6.30 a.m. Nepal time, she literally stood on top of the world, achieving a goal 10 years in the making. Wendy believes that everyone has their own version of an Everest to climb, and she also believes each of us has a courage needed to accomplish our biggest life goals. I'm very excited to have Wendy. I climbed uh, three flights of stairs today and already felt winded, so I'm <laughs> excited it. to learn about how this happened. And uh, you have Sheila, to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you got to start somewhere, right? And Sheila and Wendy actually went to college together. So Sheila, why don't yeah. you talk a little bit about your friend here? We did. Welcome, Wendy, to Life from Flat to Fabulous. You've always been my fabulous friend, and I'm really excited to have you you. on. (laughs) Wendy was wearing some fab swag hat, and we appreciate that, Wendy, when she was up top. She was there. She had her hat. Yes. That was awesome. Sure thing. Yes. I wore it several times. (laughs) Wendy and I go back to college. We both went to Kutztown University together in Pennsylvania. And we met over our love of football, believe it or not. (laughs) Wendy and I lived on the same floor. I know. Well, woohoo, Eagles, not Giants, though. (laughs) But Wendy and I met in the lounge. I I know. In the middle of the hall, there was this lounge. So we ended up meeting there during football games. And then we found out, even more strangely, that we share the same birthday. So, you know, when you meet somebody that has the same birthday, you they're like it's automatically your friend, right? So <laughs> we hit it off despite our rivalry over football games, and we have been friends ever since. I am so proud of her and excited for her to share Aww. her story. So, Wendy, welcome. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you did it? Oh, my God. I, I don't even know where it started. <laughs> yeah. So, this was in 2017. I'm- Yes. Um, so two years ago, and actually, I, I realized as I was kind of you know collecting my thoughts about this, it was two years ago yesterday that I arrived at base camp <laughs> and wow. uh, started the really difficult part of the climb. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't even know where to start um, as far as uh, telling you about the adventure itself. I guess did you want me to start there? Absolutely, sounds good. Sure. 
Unless you need to give us the backstory of like the emotional, you know, whatever. Actually, why don't you start with why you decided to go up a mountain? Why? Okay, the why. Okay. So it all started uh, 10 years ago. I'm sorry. No, now 12 years ago. So 12 years ago, I was living in Southern California. Um, I'd always been very active. You know, I, I ran a lot. Um, running had kind of transitioned a little bit into hiking. And so, you know, I had a very adventurous spirit. So, you know, it wasn't like I just all of a sudden became adventurous and decided to climb Everest. Um, but it was definitely a, a something that was a 10-year process. Um, while I was living in Southern California, I was invited by a good friend of mine to go to an event that um, women in adventure were presenting their stories. And I arrived there and had the awesome experience of hearing a woman, her name is Trent Young, and she's a San Diego firefighter who ended up being, I'm not sure if she was the 11th or the 12th American female to ever summit Mount Everest. Wow. And so she was there doing a slideshow presentation, and um, I, well, first of all, I mean, the whole event itself was something I was so drawn to, and for some reason, her in particular, she was presenting her slides, and um, at one point, she looked back at one of her pictures, and as I watched her, like, I, I caught her almost lost in this moment. And in that Aww. moment, it, it was almost like she was in awe and she was there again, you know. And that moment resonated with every single cell in my body. And I turned to my friend that had taken me there and I said to her, I just decided on my next thing. She said, I told her, I was like, I am going to do that. And she's like, oh, wow. What? And I'm like, yes, I know I can, and I know I will someday. I literally, in that moment, knew that one day I would be standing on Mount Everest on the summit. Uh, wow. And I have the song, One Moment in Time, is literally playing in the back as I'm imagining this whole thing happening for you. That I was yeah. like, wow. Yeah, it was just so surreal. It was like, it really was like time kind of stood still. And I was almost experiencing it through her, you know, like we, we just kind of, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Something resonated. I knew I had to do it. And kind of almost from that moment on, almost every single decision that I made in my life, Everest was in the back of my mind the whole time. Um, so do you, know, you feel I, like I a destiny pull? Sorry, do you feel like a destiny pull with that? Like a destiny? Like, do you think it was your destiny to do that? Like, what do you think pulled you to do that? You know, I've, I'm not really sure. I've always kind of had an extreme personality. Sheila can probably attest to that. Um, <laughs> oh, you know. I, <laughs> I don't tend to do things just a little bit. So, like, when I was a runner, I had to run marathons. When I started hiking, you know, it turned into climbing and then climbing Everest and mountaineering. You know, it just... I don't know that I would say, like, from the time I was a kid, I felt like I had this destiny to climb. Okay. But I, I have a very weird occurrence every once in a while that I will get this feeling that, just like I said in that moment, I knew in my core that I was going to end up there. And it's happened a couple of times in my life, and when I get that feeling that strong, I cannot ignore it. I can't amazing. allow anything, anything at all to talk me out of it. And I, I wish I could explain it a, a little better than that. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it's something just goes off and says, no, 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 you are not going to be able to let this go. And my addictive personality will not allow me to walk away from it. (laughs) Right. So you see it as, you see these moments as challenges and not fear, because that's a lot of times courage and fear. You stop yourself from doing something because you're afraid. And certainly climbing Mount Everest would, oh my goodness, give me the (laughs) biggest amount of fear ever. But for you, it was exciting, a challenge. So, so one thing I do want to dispel a little bit is because so many people say that having courage is like this ability to do something without fear, and I do not see it as that at all. I, it's almost like fear um, drives my courage in a way. Um, yes, I, it's yes. about a, it's about a trusting. I, I I've always said that when it came to climbing Mount Everest. I had a greater fear of never knowing what it was like to stand on that summit than I ever had the fear of, you know, being at heights. The fear that my fear was much more, uh, I don't know how to say it. It was, I had a bigger fear of missing out. FOMO. That's cr- Yes. <laughs> yes. Kept me so going. no, I think that's you know? a very. FOMO drives me. Is that crazy? Yes. What? <laughs> but it's a FOMO for not having the experience than for like yeah. doing so that's amazing that's a great thing to point out and they do say that um Brene Brown says vulnerability is the greatest measure of courage so when you're doing something you have to be vulnerable and you put yourself in a vulnerable situation but for you the payoff was worth it getting on top of that mountain was something you had to do and it was scarier not to do it yep oh, that's yep. awesome well, Wendy I have like, to I know I know in certain circumstances that the universe would not plant a certain idea in my head if it didn't want me to achieve it. And so it's almost like, I know I'm going to do this. There's nothing for me to be fearful of because like, there's, there's no way I'm not getting there. And it, it doesn't happen with every single thing. It hasn't happened with every single mountain. But in that moment when I listened to her speak, every single cell in my body knew that I was going to do it someday and that I was going to return safe and yeah, I just, it was a knowing and I don't know why it was there. That's great. I mean, you don't need to know why I guess you did it. And so you've had the experience. You just know to trust it. Like, so you don't necessarily have to have the why you just know to trust that feeling, that intuition that is pulling you. And that's an amazing thing to point out to our audience members, trusting, trusting that navigation that's pulling you towards your destiny really, or your greatness. Yeah. Yeah, trust for me is definitely the biggest part of of having courage. Just, you know, I'd like to say I trust that the universe is also going to throw me a million dollars, but that one hasn't happened yet. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. It might. Not yet. Exactly. We're getting there. Uh, (laughs) But have, I mean, I know I've known you for so long and, and you have always been very adventurous and you know, full on, you, you face everything full on, you were traveling all over the place in college and, and then we've kept in touch and you've been just bouncing around doing your thing. But what has led you to develop this sense of uh, courage and this feeling of courage? Like what has given you the, the drive? Can you say like any parts of your journey, maybe? You know, I think that really, for me, what I love about, like, feeling that sense of accomplishment. So, you know, there's, there's certain things for me that, 
lead to like a place of peace in a way. And, um, you know, it's just, I, I like, I feel the most comfortable when I am working towards something and that could be in my career, that could be in my personal life. Um, you know, there's so many different aspects that I'm just kind of like a planner in a way. And I, I, I have such a busy mind all the time and I just, you know, like to have that next thing that I'm looking for. So do you find it calms your mind? Like you say you have a busy mind or like it channels your busyness into this goal and like this discipline because it takes a lot of discipline to do what you did. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. I mean, I think, I think for sure one thing that in the, in the 10 year journey, so, so I hear this woman speak, right. And then the next thing I do is I kind of like throw myself into this, like no matter what every year, I needed to do something toward my goal. And so, you know, I, I, den- I picked out a bunch of mountains that I wanted to climb. They were all over the world. They're, you know, Kilimanjaro in Africa, different mountains all over South America, um, Aconcagua, the highest point um, in South America. I climbed Denali. And so, you know, I kind of had this, this plan in place that if I wasn't climbing in one year, well, then I was, you know, I, I opened up an Everest, savings account in 2008, knowing that someday, someday I knew the opportunity was going to present itself. And I was like, okay, so if this all of a sudden comes up, I need to have the means. I need to be properly trained. Like, you know, this, this could come out of the blue. You know, I just, I never knew exactly when it was going to be able to happen because primarily my career, the, the, the corporate world that I was a part of would never give me the two and a half months off of work that I needed. You know, I, I was going to have to quit my job essentially. Right. And right. So, so I just kind of put a plan in place. So yes, it's, it, it helps me um, in no matter what I'm doing, you know, to have this, you know, taking steps, having a plan in place, having short term goals in place for the, you know, longer term big goal and just keep educating myself. You know, like the, the more I can educate myself, the more I could train um, I needed to surround myself with the right people. So I moved to Denver. I, I was living in Southern California. I didn't, I knew no one. I didn't know where I was going to go. I, you know, was, I talked to a company I had worked for in the past to let me relocate and start fresh in Denver because I knew I needed bigger mountains to train on. And so over the 10-year time frame, I just kept taking another positive step, another positive step, and then trusted that eventually everything was going to come together and I'd be able to go. And wow, then, that's sure amazing. Enough, a, a month, yeah, a month after, so Denali, which Mount McKinley or Denali, um, the, up in Alaska, it's the highest point in North America. Um, that was always going to be kind of my gauge as to was I technically prepared for something like Everest. And um, very, I mean, it's not bizarre. None of it's bizarre because, you know, it, it was all, it was definitely meant to be. But about a month after I got back from a very strong Denali summit, and I have, I felt stronger than I ever had in my whole life, um, my, the company I went to work for just five months earlier laid me off. And it was like, well, of course they did. They were supposed to do that because I'm in better shape than I've ever been, and I've saved money for the last 10 years and I've got the means, I'm trained, I'm going to climb Everest and it all kind of fell into place. 
Okay, so let me just. And so then, you decided to. Oh, go ahead. You yeah. decided. No, no, you took this. Where other people might take this as, oh my goodness, you just saw opportunity. You were. You did not see it as something negative. You saw this as wow, that that door closed and now this window is opening for me. Because I think that's something you know really interesting yeah. to point out. Because a lot of people would just feel victim to that. Oh, I got laid off. It wasn't the plan. And you said, all right, my plan shifted, and you just went with it. Yep. And it was actually two years earlier. So my game plan was I was climbing Denali. I was, I had just started working for this company. I was going to stay with them for two years. I was going to quit and I was going to go and climb Everest. And like, you know, I, I'm not so rigid that like, okay, when I got laid off, I didn't say, oh wait, I have to go get another job for the next two years. I was just like, nope. Was I afraid of not making money? Yes, because at the time I was single and, you know, I mean, Keith and I had actually just met, but we weren't serious, you know, but here I was, I owned a home. I was like, wow, this, this is a lot. Like, I wouldn't have taken seven months off before going, you know, ideally I would have worked right up until the time that it was time to go. And so there were a lot of fears and concerns that built up, but it just, none of those mattered, like... I was standing there on this conference call realizing I was about to get laid off because they, you know, kind of did this little corporate call to talk about the the change in direction for the company. And I had this crazy excitement building and I'm like, I cannot believe I'm about to get laid off and I've never been more excited or happy about it. That, that's an awesome story of <laughs> adversity and everything. We are going to continue that conversation when we come back from our commercial break. But before we do, make sure you follow us on social media at Fab Empowers, hashtag Gab with Fab and hashtag Fab Empowers. Visit our website, fabempowers.com to get your free gift, the latest updates and join our tribe of Fab women with our monthly membership. We will be right back. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk 
Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Life from Flat to Fabulous with your hosts, Sheila and Sarah. Got a question or a comment about the show? We are right here by email at info at fab-women.com. That's info at fab-women.com. Now back to Life from Flat to Fabulous. Hello, it is Sarah and Sheila here, and we are with Wendy, our wonderful guest, talking about courage, and we are discovering her story about how she was the 465th woman to ever summit Mount Everest, and she just had this gut feeling that she had to climb this mountain, and she listened to it, and she has a great story, so we're going to welcome Wendy back as she continues to talk about how really getting laid off from her job was the catalyst for um, climbing, I guess, two years earlier than she thought she was going to climb. She had been planning it since yeah. 2008. She opened the bank account. 2008, she opened that bank account and said, I'm going to do it one day. She didn't know when that day would come. But then instead of getting upset about getting laid off, she had a feeling of excitement that was like, whoop, now's the time. I am ready. So why don't you take it from there and continue the story? Uh, yeah. So um, I... Uh Proceeded on uh, March 28th of 2017 um, was when I departed and then uh, ended up June 2nd was my return. So I had 67 days of nonstop, (laughs) just full on go, go, go adventure, hiking, climbing, hiking, climbing, basically is what it comes down to. It was um, quite the experience, that's for sure. It was, it was, it was all that I had hoped that it would be, and so much more, for sure. Okay, paint the picture. Like, how many people are you with? What do you eat? What do you think about? Where do you pee? I need to know these things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we rarely do all need to know oh, these things. Do you it's... really want me to go down that road? Because I, I kind of do. I'm okay. sorry. I'm like, what is happening? Okay. Do you do that's, it? That's, that's okay. And you know what? I need you guys to help me stay on track with this one because I, I could <laughs> I could start now and in five hours from now, you know, be at the summit. So I'll okay, try I love to this. summarize certain things. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So, yep. Yep. So, um, you know, arrive in Kathmandu, I had a guide. Um, he was also from Colorado. Once I moved to Colorado, I met so many people that helped accelerate uh, this dream really happening for me. And um, one of those people uh, let me know from the get-go, as soon as he knew that I was climbing Everest, he told me, you got to use Charlie. So mostly it was me working with my guide. Um, There were, of course, Sherpa and porters and things like that. Charlie and I were part of a bigger group, um, but we had the flexibility to kind of go on our own um, go on our own pace, go on our own schedule. I was not tied into the group. We ended up pretty much all summiting at about the same time. But there, there were three other, um, I'm sorry, myself, including myself, there were three private guided climbers, and then there was a group of seven. And um, so what happens is you go into Kathmandu, you kind of finalize all your gear, you jump on this small little plane that you can, like, reach out and touch the pilot, and you fly from Kathmandu into the village of Lukla um, that has the most 
interesting. It's in the top 10 of the most dangerous airports um, in the world. You're landing and you're kind of going uphill straight at a side of a mountain. So a stone wall of a mountain in front of you. And if for any reason the brakes, you know, you're, you're kind of, it's a very interesting situation. So the adventure starts off right away with all kinds of opportunity to show how much courage you have. <laughs> it sounds um, like the summit, like the climb is, is yeah, less scary than the flight. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Very, very interesting experience just arriving there. Um, so from there, you, you know, you, you need to acclimate along the way. The, the process of acclimation is very important because your body, as you're going up in elevation, um, you know, you're, you're getting to uh, lesser and lesser oxygen and you're, you need to provide your body enough time to adjust to that so that you don't get altitude sickness. So we just took our time. We had all the time in the world. The weather window for getting to the summit usually doesn't happen until May. You know, we're landing on, you know, June 2nd and, you know, we have plenty of time. So we take 10 days to go from the village of Lukla and hike the 50 miles to get to base camp. Um, When you get to base camp, you're basically going to be living for two months at 17,600 feet. (laughs) Okay. And um, that is very hard on your body, let me tell you. Um, Your your muscles, you know, it's, it's really important while you're there and you're waiting for this weather window to open up. Um, we did series of um, acclimation climbs. Um, we would do it all around base camp, and then we would leave for five days at a time and go through the Kumbu Icefall and head up to the upper camp, um, you know, stay overnight, sleep high, and then come back down low. Um, and so, you know, over that process from, you know, pretty much April 2nd, um, you know, up until we went ahead and made our summit push, there was always some kind of activity, you know, checking equipment, selecting your foods um, that you would take on you on these acclimation hikes. Um, it was, you know, it, it was a very well thought out, very well planned process. Um, the and then that we ate at base camp. Oh, go ahead. Yep. No, I was just going to say, what um, did you feel? Like, what kind of things were you feeling? Like, did you know, oh, wait, I, I'm starting to feel this. I back off. Or do you push yourself? Like, how does that work when you're trying to yeah, acclimate? you definitely have to listen yeah, you're, you have to listen to your body. You have to drink a ton of water, which causes the issue um, that we as women, it's a bit more challenging, but with the amount of water that you're constantly drinking, I mean, you have to drink a gallon a day. It's really important to stay hydrated so that you don't get sick. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot of pee breaks, and you, you do that wherever you could go. And there's this wonderful invention called a Shigo um, that, uh, you know, it allows, it's a, a small cup with a uh, kind of like a wide open straw at the end. And, That's um, what I'm talking about. And you to easily pee into a bottle in the middle of the night when you don't want to go out in the negative 10 degree temperatures, you know, to go to the little outhouse. So, oh my and it, it also makes it easy to <laughs> pee standing up when you're on the trail if you don't want to bear all and squat down. <laughs> Yes. Um, so yeah, you know what? There's there's a lot of great inventions um, over the years for for women climbers for sure. Yeah, and that's you know at the top of my list for being grateful for that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so unfortunately um, for me, but you know, I mean, talk about overcoming adversity. Um, I ended up getting a respiratory infection very early, and luckily it was early on. It was as we were arriving into bank 
base camp, I was like, okay, I, I need to get this under control. I know my body. I'm, I'm developing. Something's going on here. And sure enough, it was a respiratory infection that nearly turned into pneumonia. And so as I am doing these, all these rotations, I'm going up to these high camps. Um, yeah, I'm like battling off near pneumonia. And so I got the rotations in because it's very important to at least get to those levels. And then as soon as I got both rotations um, to the upper camps in, I did drop down to, there's a, a village, you know, probably like a three-hour hike going down, five hours coming up. But there's a, a village that's down at about 15,000 feet that has this amazing clinic that put me on a very aggressive um, uh, they put me on a very one-time, very high-dose steroid to get the inflammation um, in my throat down and then gave me a, a, a really aggressive antibiotic. And um, due to the fact that our wet weather window, um, sometimes the weather window on Everest is in the very beginning of May, our weather window did not come until like mid toward the end of May. And so um, as soon as we finished the second rotation, I dropped down for about four days treated, got better, got back up to base camp and had a couple of days to kind of reacclimate before we made the summit bush. So it was, it was a little bit scary there for a while, but I kept coming back to, I know that there's no way that this isn't happening. <laughs> so I need to stop freaking out. It is such a mental game up there. It is way more mental than physical. And um, I had to talk myself off a ledge. You know, I, I cried. There were tears. There were meltdowns. And then I said, okay, I allowed myself that moment. I got to pick myself up and I'm going. So <laughs> I better brush it off. And oh, yeah, um, yeah luckily amazing. it just all came together. I healed in time. And, um, and then we, we did the summit push. Yeah. And that takes, it takes about five days. From the time you leave base camp um, to get to the summit, it was a five-day process. Wow. And what do you think? What are you thinking? Like, are you like, I think I can, I think I can. Like, what do you say? What, how do you occupy your brain time? What do you say? So the, the initial part of it for me was I kept telling myself, I just need to get to the 24, 25,000 feet uh, level because then you go on oxygen. So you, you do go on continuous oxygen from, you know, roughly 24,000 feet and above, which is camp three. Um, and I knew that this horrible cough that I had, I, I just, I had this feeling like um, I was just going to start feeling so much stronger and performing so much better. So initially I just kind of held on to that. Um, I do get very, I, I, you know, climbing for me is very meditative. It's, um, it allows me, I, I try and get in sync and I try to set a pace that I'm just, you know, yeah, it's very rhythmic for me. And so, you know, and, and actually it sounds kind of crazy, but I kind of talk to the mountain. <laughs> I ask it like, is it okay for me to summit? You know, will you allow me? I, I, it's very important to me. That the that nature and the mountain know how much I respect it, and I'm grateful for being there. And so it's almost like I ask permission. And so in my mind, you know, of course they it always answers yes. And then as soon as it answers yes, everything's okay. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to make it. I have nothing to worry about. And that's kind of what you keep your mind busy doing. <laughs> I love that you connect with nature. I love that you become. You know, it's respectful. You're being respectful of the mountain. 
Exactly. Exactly. And there's, there's so much more, you know, people don't really talk about energies as much, but I do it. I feel a different energy when I'm in that environment than when I'm in everyday life. And I just feel like um, it's important that I acknowledge it. So, um, yeah, I'm not really one. I don't like to listen to music. I, I feel like you miss out. I, I don't want the distraction when I'm there, even, even if it is painful and even if, you know, a little distraction would be a nice thing. Um, it's, it's important for me to have that connection. Wow. So you're fully in the now in the experience and engaging with yep. your environment hundred percent total. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important to me. Yes. Well, I was following so, yeah. Wendy's adventure because <laughs> she was posting from the group. So we would get, I was on like the edge of my seat for, first of all, when I asked you how long it was going to take, I was like, are you kidding me? You're going to be gone for like two and a half months. I had no idea because I'm not a climber mm-hmm. and that's not my, not my uh, world. But following her adventure was amazing. And I kept, I remember the one time I asked you, I'm like, Wendy, how in the world do you get Wi-Fi there? <laughs> I can't even get I it know. in my house in Philly. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I had, as long as I was at base camp, I had full communication abilities, which, thank goodness, because it probably would have driven my then-boyfriend, now-fiancé, absolutely insane with, you know, I mean, talk about, you know, it, it was really good. We could FaceTime. I FaceTime with him, you know. I we email. I had access to Facebook and Instagram and everything else. Yep. That was awesome to be able to follow you. And then when you actually summited and I got that email I just cried I was so excited for you it was like amazing yeah yeah so bring it up so so like bring us to the the summit part so you got to the oxygen got your oxygen did you feel a little stronger so much I mean I from that moment on I just felt like oh finally this is this is how I normally feel when I climb you know I'm like I just started really kicking butt which was perfect timing because, you know, you're, you're almost at high camp. You're almost at camp four. They call it the South colony. And, and that's about 26,000 feet. And, um, you get there on, you know, I got there on an afternoon, had about six hours to rest, you know, so I got there about three o'clock and at nine thirty the same day that, that night we made our summit push. So we started at nine thirty at night and, um, I've just never felt so like, I mean, it, it, you would think that the, that would be the most nerve-wracking part. I just felt totally in control. I felt the strongest that I had felt the entire time on the mountain. And I just kept saying, I just need to keep moving, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And the crazy thing is, one at one point, I looked up and I was like, wow, look at all those stars. This is amazing. It was freaking headlamps. It was all the people <laughs> that had started earlier before me. And the, I could see all their headlamps. It was like this little trail, like, going up the hill. I was like, wow, that's, I still have all that way to go? Why did I look up? Oh, um, no. So, it, so I got to the south, call, or I'm sorry, what they call the, it, it's just below the summit. It's kind of like the south summit. And um, I got there and watched the most amazing sunrise I've ever seen in my life. Um, it was literally as if time stood still. I've never experienced something that like everything was quiet everything was hushed and like I felt like a moment stopped in time and it was amazing and so from that point I mean you kind of get there and I was just like let's do this people you know and 
we just, you know, kind of motored up to the top. But unfortunately, that last section is where you run into some problems with um, the traffic jams that you sometimes hear about on Everest. And sure enough, we, you know, got held up by a good 45 minutes with um, having to wait to cross certain sections. Um, you know, and your adrenaline is just pumping, and I just wanted to run to the top. You know, I'm like, get out of my way. I'm coming through. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, had to be patient. Had to practice my ability to remain calm and patient and all those good things. And then um, when we finally got to the top, um, there was a big group that started like an hour before we did. And so that's what we were waiting for, for those people to come back down. But it it really was a good thing in the end because I got to spend a good half an hour on the summit. You know, there were times that there's kind of like this bench. So you, you see the summit, it's all decorated with um, prayer flags and a picture of the Dalai Lama. And um, there's it's kind of like a long, narrow, almost like a bench made of snow in a way, you know, that kind of runs all along it. And I just, I mean, I stood up there and I... You, when, before, I wanted to get up there for the first time and be up on that very top part completely on my own because there's enough room for multiple people to be on it. And so I kind of, like, was waiting a little bit, and then people came down, and I popped up there, and I'm like, right now, in this moment, there is no one in this world any higher than I am. And it was That's amazing. Like, oh That's God. amazing. I was bawling, and such a great guy. You know, it was ugh, everything. It was just amazing, yeah. That's awesome. Well, we're going to break real quick for some commercials, but we are coming right back with you, Wendy, to finish up your story and then talk to us about courage and how you developed it over the span of your journey. We'll be right back. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Are you ready for a show about possibilities? Are you tired of boundaries and limitations and ready for expansion and growth? Then tune in and spend some time with Rebecca Huey, host of Mastermind. Dr. Rebecca provides a safe, healing environment designed to help you develop emotional intelligence, resilience, and the self-awareness necessary to create positive, long-lasting change. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
You are listening to Life from Flat to Fabulous with your hosts, Sheila and Sarah. Got a question or a comment about the show? We are right here by email at info at fab-women.com. That's info at fab-women.com. Now back to Life from Flat to Fabulous. Hello, it's Sarah Karkner and Sheila Turner here, and we have our very special guest, Wendy, who has been sharing with us her experience as she climbed Mount Everest. She does believe that everybody has their own version of an Everest to climb, and she believes each of us has the courage needed to accomplish our biggest life goals. So during the last segment, we were with her on that mountain, and she was talking about reaching that summit, so she's going to finish her description of how amazing it was and then talk a little bit about what happened afterward and then share with us her wisdom for the audience if you have your own personal Mount Everest. So Wendy, welcome back. Thank you so much for sharing with us. You talked a little bit about that bench. You were on the bench. There was the bench that you talked about with the flags and the picture of the Dalai Lama. So why don't you take it from there? Yeah. Yeah. So I could have just stayed up there forever. I was having a great time. We had amazing weather, like zero winds, which is not normal. And um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, finally had to say, okay, it's time to head down. Um, and so we did. And, um, you know, we, you know, got down back down to Camp 4 very quickly. Um, you know, had to deal with a little bit of a letdown around. We had planned on attempting another peak that was right there out of Camp 4. Um, but, you know, had to kind of let go of that aspiration when not long after we got back into camp, just horrific winds came through and, um, we decided at safety, you know, we just, we had to drop down. We, we couldn't tack on Lhotse, which is actually the fourth highest peak in the world. Um, so, you know, experienced a little bit of like this really high and then all of a sudden this like let down and I'm like, okay, I need to hold on to the really high part and not focus on the let down part because I did just summit Mount Everest. So, you know, dealt with a, a lot of emotions around all of that, you know, because you, you, my mind wanted to focus on what I wasn't able to do versus what I had just accomplished. And, um, you know, I just had to stay mentally tough and, and really just be grateful and appreciate what I had just accomplished. So, um, yeah, so we, you know, drop down, you know, get all the way back down to base camp, and it does take a couple of days um, to get there. And then, uh, you know, we hiked back out and just the, the whole experience along the way. It was, um, I don't know that I ever felt like a moment where it just was a total crash where it was like, wow, I just spent the last 10 years planning for something. What do I think about now? <laughs> right, but right. But it, it did happen. There, there was that crash and I changed and I saw the world differently. I saw people differently. And, um, you know, it's now two years into it. I can look back on it and say, you know, yeah, like a lot of things did change for me. And it was perfect timing. You know, we, I got back. I actually ended up getting my job back from the company that had laid me off, which was hmm. like, you wow. know, that was kind of like, oh, sure. Oh, oh, if they had asked me a year before, what do you want from us? I would have told them, can I have a year off? said that I can go climb Mount Everest, and <laughs> oh that's exactly goodness. what ended up happening. <laughs> I know. So I went back to work for him for a little while, um, but I, nothing was the same. You know, like, I could not be passionate about that anymore. I just, you know, and, and luckily, other things came together for Keith and I. Um, we were able to, you know, a, a year after summiting, um, go ahead and make a relocation, and I do feel like ever since I got here to Montana last June, 
um, you know, that I'm finally starting to put some of the pieces together around how I changed, you know, and, um, you know, why did, why did I look at things differently? Why did I see people differently? You know, it's, it was a, a really big accomplishment. And, um, I, I do think that not having something to plan for made me sometimes try to look for things. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So you had this physical yeah, so like, change in perspective, which ended up being like a metaphorical change in perspective too for everything in your life. And so it takes a little while to settle in, it sounds like. But in Montana, you're finding that exactly. all these things are coming together. Oh, it totally is. You know, and just the business that Keith and I are um, establishing, our consulting business is amazing. We're launching um, kind of a an outdoor um, kind of like an adventure outfit business as well. And we're creating an urban style lodge for people to stay in, like a little bed and breakfast situation. Um, so, you know, we're working on all that now. I just, there's, there's so many goals. There's, and, and of course, climbing is always going to be a part of that. Um, but, but I do feel like, oh, wow, I get to go on a hike now and just enjoy the hike. It doesn't have to be for training. I, I can, I, I don't have to get up at five o'clock in the morning and go to the gym for, for training for something. I can just do it because it makes me feel good and it starts off my day right. That's um, great. So you don't I'm, feel like you have I'm to do that, that again, right? Exactly. Exactly. Like I know that I've gone, I can go no higher. I know what my body can handle. So I, any climbing goal I have in the future, I, I know exactly what to do to get ready for it. You know, and it's, it's, a, it's a really, knowledge is such a huge confidence builder. I just, it's, it's a cool thing. Right. And thinking back to your younger days and your journey, what events in your life have happened that have caused you to kind of develop this co- uh, courage and be able to step through fear and do what's right for you? Maybe something in a non-physical so, capacity. <laughs> Any emotional events? Exactly. You know, and sometimes it's hard to remember that, like, certain things even took place in my life before all of this. Um, but, yeah, you know, the, it's it's not all been rosy, you know, wonderful situations that fell into place for me. Um, when I was young, I, I married very young and ended up going through a bad divorce in my mid-20s. And um, even though I was fully justified, um, you know, as far as, you know, I guess you'd say giving up. I was fully justified in my decision for giving up. Um, throughout the relationship, there there was what started out as kind of a, a mental abuse in the end um, turned to physical abuse. So there was never a question as to whether or not, you know, I gave up too easily. Um, but there's still a lot of fear around all of that. Like you, you don't go into a decision of marriage and then a decision of divorce um, without really questioning everything about what is going on. And, um, you know, I, I wondered whatever happened to good times and bad, you know, did I try hard enough? Like all of these questions, all of these fears around, am I doing the right thing? Um, and in the end, you know, I just really had to stick to my guns and as scary as it was, you know, to make this major life decision, um, I knew that it was the right thing to do. And so, you know, I went ahead, I, kind of dug my heels in a little bit. He, of course, was a master manipulator and tried to spin this, you know, we'll work this out, I promise, moving forward, all of that. And um, I just had to stick to my guns and went through with the divorce. And 
the resiliency that I developed in that six-month time frame when there was a lot of back and forth and I was really questioning, you know, what's the right thing to do here, um, I know that that created, that kind of kicked off um, a lot of my future decisions of, you know, if I could make it through that, I could make it through everything. And the bad situation that I went through, I do not regret it happening at all because it probably was my biggest lesson um, for if you can get through this, you can get through anything. It was something that I went to all the time. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, and actually today was the first time that I've ever even spoken about it publicly. So, you know, there was a certain courage I had to have in order to even bring it up. Um, but if it, I just want people to know that when you're in your darkest moment and you think that there's no hope for anything, um, you are learning lessons that is just making you into, you know, this cur- this uh, courageous, resilient person and just soak it all in, soak in the bad times because it makes you realize how good the good times really are. Well, we thank you so much for, for sharing that and, you know, sharing and declaring it here. That's a fabulous. That's, that, we really appreciate it and your courage um, and finding that courage with your relationship and then taking that courage and summiting that mountain is amazing. So what, what advice do you have for women who are trying to face their fears? Is there any specific piece of advice you have? You gave some good advice just then. Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of just reflecting on my own ideas around courage and things like that. I mean, definitely you've got to, like I've said before, you have to trust the universe. You're experiencing all of this for a reason. Um, I, I hate to make it, I always say that courage kind of comes in all forms. So, and I love the word badassery. Um, yeah. And badassery, being a badass comes in all forms. You don't have to climb a mountain or quit your job or start a company to be considered a badass. You know, you can be a badass mom. You can, you know, you, uh, uh, something with your family. Um, just really identify the one thing that you've always wanted to do. And um, if you don't think that you have to do it in a day, um, you know, it just kind of, if you start planning, if you start educating yourself, if you start training and just really pick that one thing that you've always wanted to do, um, try to get to that place where you know that there's nothing that can't stop you. And then just take every little step that you can and work toward it. So I think that that's probably my biggest advice. I love that because it is, it's get the vision out there. You started in 2008, you said uh, with your just opening the bank account, that was one step you could do. You had no idea what you, you know, what was going to happen. And you did that. So you put that out there because you can't hit what you don't aim at. So you aim at it and then you take the little steps. And that is very, very powerful for people listening who maybe need to tap into their courage. Just take the best first next, next step that you can take. Yep. And really, it's definitely also about surrounding yourself with fabulous women like the two of you. (laughs) And, you know, we can get sucked into drama so easily these days. And the the more you allow yourself to get sucked in, the further away from your dreams that you are. So surround yourself with positive people who are going to lift you up and not pull you down. I, I think that that is a huge key. So you two, I want to thank the two of you for creating this amazing organization that you have because I just feel so empowered every time I see one of your posts, every time I 
I just, I think about everything, how far we've come, Sheila. Like, look at our <laughs> lives. Yeah. You know, we sat there and like in that little break room and yeah, talked about so many different things. I just never would have, it's, it's amazing that we're here now, you know? I know. I, I know. It really is. And I'm, it's, it really is. And, and our whole circle too, um, we're going to have another Kutztown oh, alum yeah. on in a couple weeks. So uh, we'll have to let Kutztown University know they've got some pretty badassery people <laughs> That's right. As alumni. So, Wendy, we want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. It was really inspiring and amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored. And I'm definitely going to, like, rethink my my goals now. (laughs) I'm going to go home and think about some goals for myself. So, thank you. That's amazing. I'll let you know what I decide. It might just be like a little hill I climb, but it's happening. Well, Marianne Williamson has a great quote, and I know, Sarah, you love her. And she says, it takes courage to endure the sharp pains of self-discovery rather than choose to take the dull pain of unconsciousness that would last the rest of our lives. And I think, Wendy, you really like kind of encapsulated that today and, and told us about your story and how much that quote is relevant to your life. I love her. She's one of my faves. So, yes, yeah. I, I would definitely identify with that. Oh, awesome. Well, we are going to wrap up today and we want to thank Wendy Gustin again for sharing her amazing story. Thank you for tuning in today and we hope that you are feeling empowered, inspired, and ready to just take on your own mountain and ascend your own boundary. Remember to follow us at Fab Empowers and to visit our website, fabempowers.com to sign up for your free gift so you can join our tribe of empowered females. Make sure you fab this forward by sending this broadcast and sharing our pages with other fabulous ladies in your life because we're women helping women here to change the world for the better and you are a part of that. So join us next week as we welcome special guest Robin Wren, former executive of American Express, Harvard Business School graduate, and a current story slammer extraordinaire as we take a journey through the chapters of our lives. Robin will share her story and offer insight and advice for us on how to appreciate and be grateful for every single chapter. And remember to find a little fab in your every day. Until then. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of Life from Flat to Fabulous. Be sure to join Sheila Turner and Sarah Kartner again next Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until we talk again, make it a fabulous week.